0: Big debates, unpopular opinions, and a whole lot more. Oh yeah, it's the Once Around Podcast,
1: baby. Hello and welcome back to the Once Around Podcast. I'm Kai and I'm joined by Ben, Ed and Luke as we prepare for a huge game this Saturday as the Rams play the Reds in the first East Midlands derbies with fans since November 2019. However, to start with, we're going to take a quick look back at Derby's 2-1 defeat to Slavisa. You can a bit to Sheffield United in the Carabao Cup. Ben and Luke, you were both there. Did we deserve to lo- lose, though, Luke?
2: I would say no. And I spoke to a few Sheffield United fans after the game, and they also think they were quite lucky to win. I think that we made two massive indri- individual mistakes, which cost us the game, ultimately. But I think as a team, and I think we just outplayed them as a team, I think we stuck together. I think they probably did play better football than us. But we fought, I say this every week, we fire and we fire and we fight, and... We fight and Every, t- every week I think we're the stronger team and I think we fight more and I think just on that we deserve to win. But at the end of the day, you can't be making those stupid mistakes that cost us games. I know McDonald's only young and you'll learn from that, but for me that's a very basic thing to do and I couldn't get quite... I didn't have the best of views on Allsop's goal because it was at the other end of the pitch and I don't have the best eyesight. But it did look like, to me, he went straight through his hands and he should have saved that. I don't know if you or Ed... Who watched? Who saw the highlights on Sky? As the goals went in.
1: Could yeah. have a different view on that. Yeah, I saw it on Sky. He should have saved it. Really, I mean, it was a, quite a powerful header, but still, it went straight <clears> through his hands.
3: It, it was pretty straight at him, and he kind of just went straight up, and it went straight through his hands. So there's yeah. not really anything giving that. Yeah, for example, i'd up using your hands there
1: as well. Thank you. Yeah, we we what you won't know is that. Ed's just demonstrated beautifully what Ryan Orsop well, should have
3: been. Well, I, 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 I used to be a goalkeeper, so I just thought I'd, you know, flex my, flex my knowledge
1: for you. But, well, yeah, but to answer your question, I think we should have won that,
2: but like I say, individual mistakes cost us the game.
1: Yeah, I think that's quite clear to see. Obviously, it was a young side, Ben. Um, so, there were probably still some
0: positives to take out of it, though, weren't there? Absolutely. I mean, Jack Streatham was incredibly unlucky with so many of his chances. He should have got at least one Um, he's a very much a confidence player and you know he was riding off the back of that Peterborough goal I think if we if we'd gone on to win that game the knock-on effect would probably be he would have scored in this game so it is unfortunate but uh, Dylan Williams looked a lot stronger than he did against Salford Um, Jordan Brown was an absolute delight to watch he's so assured and confident. He's a, he is a leader at, what, 20 21 years old um, which I, I think at this club we we definitely need um, and again, Louis Sibley phenomenal, needs to start on uh, Saturday. He is, he is a standout player of this season. I think him Bird and Elka are our three best performers this season so far, I'd say
1: I think that says a lot about Elka, considering he only came in just after the Peterborough game so obviously a very good start for him Ed, I'm going to move quickly to you just one last question about this Sheffield United game do you think it benefits us being out of the cup already?
3: I I know it's quite a pessimistic way to look but yeah, I'd say so it's it's less games ultimately and um, it just gives us more chance to get some points behind us in the league I think I, I I'm not one to really bother too much about a cup run, especially in the Carabao Cup. It's a bit different with the FA Cup. Obviously, there's a bit more history behind it, bit a, a, a tiny bit more money. But um, but yeah, I think Rooney needed that kind of performance from the lads as well, the, the youngsters. And it, again, I I I wasn't at the game, but I, I was listening to it on the radio, and um, it seemed to be a really positive performance. and Owen Bradley commented on on the game quite a lot afterwards and said. That it was a much better performance in the Salford game. Salford game didn't really have much optimism in it, um, but it, it seemed like the lads had more fight, like Lee was saying, and that can only mean good things heading forwards with with more senior players coming back into the fold as well.
1: Just yeah. to touch, go on, carry on. Just move. to touch
3: back on Sibley. Sometimes I find it hard
2: to hard to forget he's only nineteen still, and he's still technically a youngster. I mean, he's been around the first team for a while now, so a lot of people see him as a first team player, but. He's only 19 and it's hard to forget that. And he he does make mistakes and he's still learning. And I think people are getting on his back too much quite quickly to say he's only 19 and he's probably has got a bit more first-team experience and his other youngster's coming through.
1: But he's still learning the game. Sibbo broke through quite early on, didn't he, Luke? So I think he's having that sort of unfair, I guess, sort of expectations when you look at the likes of Jordan Brown, who are of a similar age, but they've never really had the first team experience like Sibley so I think we, w- we want to move on quite quickly anyway though today because there are more important matters no offense to the Carabao Cup or Sheffield United Saturday we'll see us t- face uh, Nottingham Forest in front of a crowd for the first time since November 2019 as I said earlier on Ben it is the big one it's Prior Park Stadium it's a 30 kickoff and hopefully there's going to be
0: 20,000 plus in attendance are you excited? Depressing you have to say that and not a sold out Pride Park, isn't it? Yeah, it, I, I reckon we'll get 23, 24 because the ticket reservations have just gone off sale today. So there will still be a good few tickets available. Go and grab some if you haven't yet. Uh, we need all the support we can. Um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting situation to have uh, the Derby that this soon in the year, because both of us are in a really dire situation. Now, going into the season, Forest were, of course, laughing at us, saying, oh, we're, we're instant relegation. There's no chance for us. And now, even if we were to get a six-point deduction, we'd only be one point off Forest. So there we go. I've, I've stolen the point off, off Kai there. Sorry. Um, it's more than uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It, it's it's good to laugh, you know. We don't have much to laugh about round here uh, at the moment, so it's it's good to look down on the red dogs. In terms of atmosphere, we'll see what happens. I hope it doesn't get too violent, but you never know, especially with a twelve thirty kickoff. People have been boozing since eight am, and I'm not sure. If that affects how alcohol works in the body, but it definitely makes me worse when I've been drinking since half seven eight. Not that I do very often. At least we've had
1: the uh, practice from the Euros for that sort of situation. But Ed Rooney's been quite—he's been making it up in the pre-match press conference, and he? he's really looking out for his side at the moment. Does this signify a high intensity from the Rams?
3: It, it must do. I think based on what we've seen as well from, from Rooney's side, like we've alluded to the past couple of weeks, I think we're starting to find a bit of identity in the squad. And I think that identity is built on like courage and, and character, um, player to player. And, and I think we're starting to see that. I think, you know, if like the players like Sibley um, carries on playing his high level, if Jozwiak uh, keeps that form going and hopefully can nick himself a goal, like a goal was stolen from him last year against Forest. But then I, th- I think that's that's the only way we can go really I think in a game like this anywhere you want the intensity you know the in intensity of like Jake Buxton and Jamie Hansen over the years that'd be quite nice to be replicated in in this in this game at the weekend and Rooney is a player I think he he was such an intense player that it, it makes sense that, that that's his management style too so I, I don't think our, our team will shy away by any means whether or not we can get the result that's a different matter but I just hope we can we can build on the, on the momentum we've we've got so far, and hopefully pick up all three points in the process.
1: Yeah, I think you said at the start of that we're starting to build on this identity now, aren't we? And a team that isn't really is Nottingham Forest, and that's a that can only be a positive for us. Luke, they're without a win in the league so far. They had a crushing defeat against Wolves in the cup. Uh, it's not it's not been a great start for the Red Side of the East Midlands, has it?
2: Uh, it hasn't, not has not. Um, I did a bit of research. I know you can't say much, take much from stats, but like they're very inconsistent. That one game I'll have so little of the ball and loads of shots, but in the next game I'll have so much of the ball on hardly any shots. And it's kind of you can't take much from that, but it just seems to be very inconsist- inconsistent with the way they're playing. It seems judging by these stats, having watched a single Forest game, I don't see why I would, to be honest. Like, I don't see why I'd waste my time, but. They just seem to change their tactics to who they're playing against by the looks of these stats, or they're just easily getting outplayed, which is hard to tell from these, but they're just not looking good. Like Houghton, you'd normally expect him to be up there with his sides, as he always has been, because you know what to expect from They're on his defensively solid side, but they haven't got that this year. They're leaking goals.
1: Could that be helped by a certain Max Lowe joining the fray in Nottingham?
2: Let's see what difference he'll make, to be honest. Didn't make a difference at Derby, did he? So, but one thing I want to say is that I, I'm going to say it now. I've wanted to say this for many, many times. But I think Bryce is overrated, and I think so many people rate him, but I think he's an awful
1: keeper. And I'm just going to say it now. Like, I don't care. You know what this has done? This is definitely Derby now, Forrest now after saying that and it's just going to be an absolute brief samba masterclass ed you wanted to say something
3: i just i just uh, i've I've got a couple of mates who are forest fans i don't know why this my mates but anyway continue um and i just i just before this podcast i just sort of said what are your thoughts on Houghton on forest so far this season and it seems to be the negative football the, there's just no counter to it. They, they just don't counter-attack on the ball. They just sit back and defend, like Luke was saying. Like Hewton's uh, always got a strong defensive base, but can can build upon that and counter and has attacking fullbacks And manages to get goals, you know, with, with Brighton, with um, Glenn Murray and things like that. He's just not got that this year, or at least he's not got the tactics for it. Apparently, they're just very negative. They don't do anything with the ball. You know, it's very well-known recently that they've that they've not really been shooting at all. So no wonder they've not really been scoring. And they, they compared it to a situation under a certain Martin O'Neill. And Martin O'Ne- O'Neill on paper, he was he had a really good time as, as the Aston Villa manager. He's had a varying success at, at, in, in different managing positions over the years. And when he came in at Forest, I know that fans were obviously very happy that he was a club legend coming in, hopefully saving the day, finally getting them promoted. And it just didn't work. But they really dragged out that appointment. You know, they they really got dragged through the mud with that because they kept they kept thinking, right? You know, he'll turn it around. He'll turn it around because he's a big name. I think it's got similar traits to this Hughton appointment, and I don't know how much longer we can last because clearly it's not clicking. Whether it's above um, board level, whether it's board level, whether it's recruitment, whether it's on the pitch, who knows? I know they've got a new CEO. I don't know whether that affects things, but they need to turn it around sharpish. Um, because according to my mates, they wouldn't be shocked if he went after, after the weekend if, if it's a negative result for them.
1: This is an open question to all three of you. Whoever wants to answer this can. Do you think this is sort of like an old guard of the managers? So you likes to Martin O'Neill, you likes to Chris Hutton, sort of starting to die out in the terms of their the way they play football. Obviously Warnock's football is still very, very effective. I think because of the likes of Gerard coming through, obviously Rooney's having varying success at the moment. Lampard was, you could say he was somewhat of a success at Derby, had mixed results at Chelsea. Do you think this is sort of a new breeder manager coming through now?
2: I think it's not their style of play. I think it's the type of plays that they need to play this type of football or dying out. Because they used type of managers, they need those, what you could class as an old school player, the defensive mind is the people who put their bodies on the lines. But you don't see that so often now. Like the modern day centre back is probably like your Ben White, so someone who's passed the ball out and they're not they're not going to throw themselves into anything. They'll kind of just pass it around, they'll take a player on. You don't you didn't see someone like Jake Bookson doing that so often, apart from Sheffield Wednesday away when he re-elected somebody. But like is you know, what I, mean? I just think it's the players die now. They think it's their tactics, I think it's the players coming through, they don't have to play that football.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair enough to say, Ben. I was, I was going to say, Sean Dyche is an old-style manager in a fairly young body, especially compared to the Hodgson's and all that. I mean, there, there are some young managers that play old-style football that have also died out. Uh, Tim Sherwood, Pardew, he's like mi- middle-aged. I think you can there. even
1: say Eddie Howe for, for Yeah. For his no, style absolutely. of football at Bournemouth wasn't the most exciting. Mm. And he's still unemployed. At the yeah, moment. A, that's what so. I mean. So is it sort of... Owners are looking for this more sort of, I guess you can say, exotic style of football, this sort of more Mediterranean flair. I was going to say, if I'm being
0: honest, I really like Scott Parker. I really like what Scott Parker is doing. And in five, six years, I could see him at a Chelsea or a Leicester or something like that. Um, definitely the succeeder to either of them.
3: Um, I-, I was just going to make a point. I-, I don't necessarily think it's it's the playing style uh, in the Premier League that's changing. Like you are saying, Sean Dyche still gets results with Burnley somehow after all these years of minimal recruitment. Um, I think it's the football leagues that are changing. I think they're start. I think the football league are slowly catching up with using the Premier League as, as an example of how to play football and how to make it attractive. Like you see with MK Dons, when they had Russell Martin, they, they play some really, really good football and they were in League One. And I think it's that that's dying out. I think, like you say, the Martin O'Neill's the kind of more traditional managers that just grind out results. They're not working as effectively. You know, I think Valerian Ismail at, at Barnsley last year and at Westbourne this year, he seems to be getting results, but in a really unorthodox way. And I think that shows that the EFL is really starting to diversify, which is why these older managers with the older styles are probably dying out a little bit more. I think they're finding it harder to get results.
0: I'd like to shout out Gareth Ainsworth as well at Wickham because he he's a weird guy. He does things his own way. He's got he's the the, cowboy
1: boots and everything. He,
0: he really does. But he is the longest serving manager in the Football League. He has imprinted his DNA on that club. And you don't see that anymore. And he's not, he's not even 50 yet. He pretty much came straight out of playing and he's been Wiccan manager ever since. He was a player that,
1: manager, weren't he? If I yeah, for, for,
0: for, for a good period. And that kind of loyalty and the, the desire to stick with a plan, even if it's not working at that moment, is something that I think a lot of clubs could learn from. In, in a sense, uh, I mean, Forrest, for example, keep Uton for the rest of the season, please.
2: This is more of a comment. When Bensley admired Scott Park, there's no disrespect to Scott Park, but I think any manager could do what he's doing with Fulham. The squad they've got, I think it's so easy that any manager well, could take them up,
1: in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I think that's all right, but considering he manages Bournemouth... Oh my
2: God, he did. not <laughs> oh, I mean, what, what he did with... No, I think
1: it's a fair comment, though, because what he did oh, with yeah. Fulham... Obviously, they did get relegated last season, but if you look back at Spurs away, I think they got a point out of that, and they should easily have had three points. It was an extremely good style of play. I just don't think he had the players for it. And obviously, Bournemouth's a different kettle of fish because it a, it's a a—it's completely new club for him. It's only his second job now in football, and he's got to imprint this sort of philosophy onto a whole new squad. So if he can do it with Bournemouth, Who's to say that he can't go to the top with the likes of Chelsea and Leicester? So, yeah, I think it's a fair comment. But I think we should probably move back on to our main topic, which is uh, the East Midlands derby. And we'll stick with managers. Ed, Chris Houghton, he's under a lot of pressure. It's It hasn't been a start to be desired. Could this be his last game in charge of Forest?
3: Well, yeah, yeah. Like like I said, talking to my mates, they they certainly... Don't fancy them staying around, especially if they lose. I, I, I don't even know if, if a draw will be good enough for, for the fans. I think it's more about performances as well. Um, similarly to us, I think, you know, if we lost, maybe not the weekend, I think we like, if we lost that weekend, that would be a bit devastating. But if we if we were losing games at the moment, we'd understand as long as we were putting in good performances because, you know, the, the kind of context of the club at the moment. But with Forest, they've got very little to be worried about. Like not a lot. Is really going wrong. The only thing that's going wrong is kind of what has gone wrong for the last eight years for us is just not getting promoted, you know, not, not challenging enough. And it's a really weird place to be in the EFL because that can go one or the other. We've seen it. We're at the bottom end of that now. So, yeah, it's... it's I, I know Ben jokingly said, oh, please stick with him, Forrest. I kind of don't want them to because I think it will click at some point. Because he is just that type of manager, especially with the championship. I think Martin O'Neill, albeit a valid point um, by my by mates, I do think he was always a Premier League manager, you know, at Villa, and I don't know if he was quite ready for that kind of difference in, in management. And he was uh, in international management for a while as well. I do think Houston will get it right at some point. It's just whether or not it's soon enough. You know, that could come this weekend. I'd hope not, but but they've, they've got to get it right at some point because they're really, really starting to become a sinking ship. If, if they don't sort it out soon because their ownership seems a bit weird and the new CEO that comes in, they've, they've got to start seeing results. Otherwise, they might be in a similar position to us.
1: Yeah, I think the ownership has been questioned quite a lot. Looking down a lot of uh, Forest fans' Twitter, there's a bit of a confusion as to why they are the second fiddle. Obviously, he's also part of this whole Olympiacos group um, and it's very much focused on Olympiacos, but why would it not be? their the European side. So it is a strange one. They've had a lot of rejected bids this season. Obviously Lee Cannon is one close to home and he's being replaced in terms of their transfer targets with Matt Slow. They've just re-signed James Garner on loan, which is a good coup for them. But I don't think it is enough yet. They've not added up top, which they seem to be struggling with massively. I can't wait to have said that and then to lose 3-0 on Saturday. But there's a there is a lot of issues going on at Forest and as much as they can take the mick out of us, I think they've got a lot to question themselves for. We do need to focus on ourselves, though. Ben, how do you see us attacking for us?
0: Is Bulldogs' high press a threat for their defence? If I'm being honest, anything's a threat for their defence, Kai. It's, it's a bit of a disgrace how weak they are at the back. And any, any chances, really... We need to take them because we know how stupid mis- how stupid mistakes have let us down in the past. And in a high-pressure game like this, with Pride Park getting full, yeah, it's definitely not a game to make yourself a villain, like Jane Bogle did notoriously. Um, you know, it's... <laughs> It's a good idea to play Baldock. I wish we had Kazim for this game because he was incredibly effective against them uh, last time.
1: But it's a different looking Forest squad now. Obviously, James Warrell's still out injured. He's coming back into training, but he's not yet fit enough. And I that's think a this, shame. He th- he plays for us sometimes. I think Sam <laughs> is, I think he's the better option going forward, no matter what, because he can offer you that high, that sort of hold up play that Kazim does. But then he's also that poacher. So, I don't know. I think if it's sort of the season where a hold-up striker isn't needed, it's going to be a swan.
0: Yeah. I'd play Ravel Morrison a bit deeper as well. Instead of relying on him to dribble and take defenders on, you need him pulling the strings at the back and then leave Josviak (laughs) and Sibley to cut inside and play the balls for Baldock to get on the end of. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think our wingers are going to be of massive importance. I'd play Josviat down the right-hand side this weekend and try and attack Gateng Bong as much as you can because he is possibly the weaker one of the two and you want your out-and-out winger to go against him. Luke, we'll end it with you. Final question. Yeah. Is it an upset if we do lose on Saturday?
2: You know what? Yeah, of course it is. I'm just going to say it's an upset. We'll get some. We'll get some little bites on this. Hopefully, it's an upset. We're the favourites, and I am getting a bit arrogant here, but I won't lie. I am scared. I think this is probably their, their best opportunity to get their first win of the season. And what a time to get their first win if they do get it against us.
1: Yeah, form goes out the windows in in these sort of games. I think we should end this episode with our predictions. Luke, if do you have anything else to say though? First? yeah, it's
2: a quick question. To you three, if Fessy's in contestant, in- in- if Fessy can come back, would you play him?
1: No, I think you've got to keep with this sort of Sibley Josviat connection at the moment. They're playing brilliantly, both of them are. So obviously, they did make an impact when he came on against, oh well, when he came on against um, who, who was it? Huddersfield, weren't it, we started the season against, and then he probably played against uh, Salford and Peterborough, but I think the threat at the moment is coming from Camille and Louis. So just keep it like that. And obviously if Steele Steer's available on the bench, then you can bring him on later on in the game and finally just do a final push against them. So that's my opinion. But I think we will move on to predictions. And I'll start with you, Ed.
3: I mean, it's been draw after draw after draw in these games with, a I think, a, a Forest win in there somewhere as well. Um I think we're gonna draw again, to be honest. I think it's gonna be one all. I think they'll score early. I think we'll we'll then equalize. And I do, but I do think we will perform well again. I just think we'll keep the momentum going. I think they'll their their kind of opinions of Chris Hooton's gonna stay up in the air as well. Um but yeah, I'm just looking for a good performance really. I hope Max Berg can finally get his goal in the league. That'll be that'll be nice for him, especially after the start to the season he's had. Um, and then I don't know, Joe Worrell will get cocky and think he's won the game. Oh, he's injured, isn't
1: he? Yeah, he is. Maybe he'll pretty, okay, he'll probably do a John Terry at the end of the game and
3: <laughs> come out think, and lift the trophy at yeah. the
1: end of the day. It will not Barcelona, was it?
3: No, exactly. It's the only derby, so uh, but yeah, I think it'd be one all and we might score an end goal with Keller. Why not?
1: Well, that's a bit, bit, bit of an interesting choice, Luke.
2: You know what. One nil derby, and I'm going to go. I'm not going to give you a scorer, but I'm going to give one of the derby boys to score. Like when I say derby boys, I mean a derby born and bred lad.
1: It'll be one of the derby players.
2: <laughs> so like, so like one of the derby born and bred. Yeah, lads. maybe sibling, a Sibley like, or yeah. a Bird. Sibley or Bird or a Bag.
1: That's fair enough. I think we'll end up with you, Ben, because
0: we always like a crazy prediction. No crazy prediction this week, mate. Two one. Um I think we'll just slip to the derby, to the derby. Uh, I think we'll slip up a little bit at the back, concedes first early, and then fight back with a little bit of Louis Sibley, uh, and then maybe a bulldog header that ends up in a Bryce Samba own goal or something like that. But yeah, why not? It's it's Derby Day. It's probably our biggest game. Of, of the season, regardless of league table standing. So yeah, you rooms. I'm going to go for
1: a three, one Derby win. Uh, I think this is Rooney's sort of, I don't know how the making of Wayne Rooney for Derby County. And it's the best way to end it before the international break. I'm going to go with a sun bottled up brace as well as a Lewis Sibley screamer. and, Lewis Scrabbin will score for them. He'll come off the bench because I think they'll start Lyle Taylor. But, yeah, why not have a bit of confidence? We are the favourites for once in this derby. And it's the first derby, I say, with a bit of meaning behind it for quite a few years. So... Yeah, why not? 3-1 to the Rams. And I do think we'll end this episode here. So thank you all for listening to the Once to Ram podcast and listening to our rambles once again. Please check us out on Twitter at Want to Ram podcast. I've been Kai and I've been joined by Ben, Ed and Luke. Mind the gap, knots, forest and up the Rams.